Excellent. Thank you so much, Dave. Um, uh, just a reminder that um, we certainly should not take uh, <clears throat> Mr. David McKeith for granted. Uh, we're very thankful to have him as part of our music. Are you coming up to take a bow? Is that what yeah. you're Okay. All right. I need this. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to bail out early on us today. <clears throat> no, we need to be thankful for the folks who help us in the, in the music area of things and <clears throat> not just take them for granted, our piano player, our organist, our uh, music, music directors, and so forth, but thankful for those, those people. And then even the, the message of the song is why, um, why should I fear, why should I tarry, um, message this morning <clears throat> when we talk about it is Jesus is giving all these people a second chance. Uh, I mean, we just gonna, I'm going to use that term loosely because <clears throat> it's really a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a tenth chance, a twenty-seventh. <laughs> but he's giving all these people a second chance with the coming of the Holy Spirit and all the things that are going on in Jerusalem. Uh, it's a reminder of that Jesus really was who he said he was. And if you didn't respond the first time, you now have another chance to do this. And despite all of this, and despite all the things that take place, and all the things we're going to emphasize this morning, the stubbornness of unbelief, some people still would not respond. And then the question even in regards to David's son is why? Why? Why would you not? Why would you not respond to Jesus and what he's done for you? Why would you not be able to recognize who he is and, and all that, you know, so... If you think of that as we go through this, we're in Acts chapter 5 this morning. Acts chapter 5. And he's told the disciples, I want you to wait for me. Jesus says he's ascending. I want you to wait in Jerusalem uh, for the coming of the Holy Spirit. I, when I get to my Father, I'm going to uh, talk to my Father. We're going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be another comforter like unto myself. He will not only be with you, he will be in you. And he will help you in this witnessing in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Well, the Holy Spirit does arrive at Pentecost, and Pentecost, the word Pentecost deals with the number 50, and Pentecost is a feast that would come 50 days after Passover, and so Pentecost is when this happens, and Passover, of course, is when Jesus was crucified, and Jesus was on earth about 40 days after his resurrection, so it's about 10 days after the ascension, the Holy Spirit arrives. Suddenly, the sound from heaven and the wind storm filled the place, and fire descended upon the inhabitants of the, of the room. The apostles began to speak in languages unknown to them, but known to others around them, and these languages became a sign that the Holy Spirit had arrived. Uh, God used this same sign to prove to the Jews that Samaritans and Gentiles could be saved, and Peter himself, on these occasions of being with the Samaritans, on being with Cornelius, would say, it's, it's the same Holy Spirit that came on us as at the beginning. And again, verifying the fact that Jews can be saved, but Samaritans and Gentiles likewise could be saved as well. Peter preached to the crowd uh, on this day of Pentecost and told them that the death of the Lord Jesus Christ was God's deliberate plan. It was part of God's plan, but it's still, it was your wicked hands that crucified him and turned him over to the Romans. And he said it was impossible for death to hold him. And 
he is now risen. He is God. He is our Messiah. He is both Lord and Christ. And the people, when they heard this, they said, what, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And they gladly received the word. They gladly received the truth. And after, I mean, seriously, after three years of, of, of Jesus on earth coming physically to Jerusalem on all these feast days, and these people had possibly had contact with Jesus before, but now they're like, now we see it, now we understand, now we're responding, and now we can see that the Holy Spirit has come, Jesus promised, Jesus is still alive, and they gladly received the word, 3,000 were baptized, and they were constantly with the apostles, learning the apostles' doctrine and, and the teaching that was going on. So it's not just, it was not just miracle after miracle after miracle, there's teaching and instruction that's taking place. They ate and they prayed together and they gave to meet each other's needs. And really, what I want you to see this morning is this idea, it's a second chance. They were having a second chance and they knew it and they took it. 3,000 responded. It's like, yes, we, we missed it the first time. We missed it a couple of months ago. But we're not going to miss it this time. And they put their faith and trust in the name of the Lord Jesus. Peter and John then go to the temple area. And they meet there a lame man, again, a man who I believe was getting a second chance. He was over 40 years old. He had been every day at the temple gate. And again, how many times did Jesus go to the temple in Jerusalem while he was alive on earth? How many times would he have seen, you know, and even this 40 years part, if he'd been there for 40 years, he was at the temple gate when Jesus was 12 years old. If you remember the story of Jesus being left there by his parents, they Mary thinks he's with Joseph. Joseph thinks he's with Mary, and he's and he's and he's meeting with the leaders there in the in the uh, in the temple. Uh, he's twelve. Uh, by the time Jesus is crucified, he's thirty something, and this man's forty years old. So the man would have been even there at the temple at that particular point. Peter and John said, "Look at us. You remember us? We were with Jesus. We were Jesus's disciples, indicating the fact that we've." We've met before. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, the older I get, the worse I am at this. I look at people and I recognize them and I know I know them. But I don't know them. I know I know you, but I don't know you. And I, the, or the name won't come. And Peter goes, look at us. Remember us? We were with Jesus. And, uh, and it says, um, because of his faith, this Lame man's faith in Jesus' name, he was made whole, walking, leaping, praising God. And then Peter says, why do you marvel? The crowds came, and they're like, whoa, wow, this is awesome. Two months ago, three months ago, you were seeing the same thing. You've seen this all before. We didn't do this. This was done by Jesus of Nazareth. And 5,000 additional, it says 5,000 men believed. So we have all these people responding, all these people responding positively to their second chance. But the temple leaders were grieved. I believe it's also a second chance for them. I believe God was giving the Sanhedrin a second chance. You know, I, I probably wouldn't have, <laughs> but he did. A second chance for the same group more or less. Probably minus Joseph of Arimathea and minus Nicodemus, but more or less the same group. And, and they're grieved by what's going on. They still are not responding. By what authority do you do this? And they acknowledge it's a notable miracle. They acknowledge that we cannot deny this. 
But he says, I want you to, no more do we want you talking about the resurrection. No more do we want you to mention this man's name. And it's actually humorous later in the, in the, in the writings here of chapter 5, how they refer, because it's like they go out of their way not to say the name, you know. Uh, some of you remember a show a while back, that was Happy Days, and the Fonz was there, and the Fonz could never say he was... He couldn't say the word wrong, that he was... Well, they can't say... Don't mention the name Jesus. We can't, they don't want to say that name. They don't want to hear that name. And so nothing about the resurrection, nothing about this. And then Peter and John respond, are we supposed to listen to you? Now, you are our religious leaders, and you are our spiritual you know, leaders and so forth, but shouldn't we listen to God? Should we listen to you, or should we listen to God? You Help us choose here. And the roles are reversed as the Sanhedrin backs off, and the apostles become more bold. And they leave and, and they pray and they say, God, please hear their threats. Please give us boldness. Keep the miracles coming. Many stayed in the area. Many, and, and their homes were opened up and uh, some people sold lands and, and houses and gave the money to the apostles to care for those that were in need. And it talks about Barnabas went all in. Uh, sold his land, sold his house, gave everything he had to the, to the church, to the apostles. Uh, he was known to the apostles. He was from the Isle of Cyprus. He was a Levite. And basically from his standpoint, he's not going home. He's, he's in the same sense that Peter, James, and John, and Andrew left their boats and their fishing and the net and followed Jesus. That's what Barnabas is doing, the same thing. I'm not going home. I'm gonna, and, and he ends up being uh, first missionary along with Paul. He ends up, uh, you know, he really is being sold out. I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm all in in this Jesus thing. And so he's called the son of compassion, and, and, and somewhat of a, a big deal was made over his, uh, his testimony, his, his actions, his behavior, so much so that Ananias and Sapphira became jealous, and they wanted the same thing. They wanted that same notoriety. They wanted that same attention. And so they pretended, they sold some land, and they pretended to give all. But Peter says, Satan has filled your heart. You're not lying to men. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. You've not lied unto men. You've lied to God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. It's, and, and equates those two together. And we saw a verse that talks about the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination in God's sight. And Ananias, it says, fell down dead at the apostles' feet. Three hours later, his wife comes in and she confirms the same story. Oh, yes, it was, we sold it for this much money and we gave everything. And, you know, we're, you know, we're in that same category with Barnabas. We should get, you know, patted on the back and all the credit that, you know. And Peter said, why are you putting God to the test? You think God does not know of your deception. And she falls down dead and is carried out by the same young men that carried out her husband three hours previous. Great fear, if you look chapter 5, verse number 11, great fear came on all the church and as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought. This is verse 12 of chapter 5 of Acts. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people and they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. The, you know, we want boldness and we want uh, the miracles to keep on coming and they did. Both things continued to happen. As, as God blessed them, and uh, it says, by the hands of the apostles 
were many signs and wonders. And so uh, special gifts that were given and special abilities given to the apostles, this is what they had prayed for. And they're there in the courtyard. And it says, with one accord, with one purpose, uh, to share about the, the resurrection of Christ and so forth. And, and, and you know, it's like, I don't know, it's, it, maybe it's human nature or God nature, whichever one you want to say. But if they said, we don't want you talking about the resurrection and we don't want you naming the name of Jesus, guess what they talked about the most? It's like they targeted those two things. And, and here we are. Uh, and it says, many signs wanted, and the rest... That would be these leaders as they continued to look on. Well, we warned you about all this stuff. The rest of the no man joined themselves to him. Nobody, they didn't, they didn't break ranks. They didn't, you know, it's like, boy, it would have been nice if some of the, of the Sanhedrin would have responded. They're given a chance, a second chance. But the rest of the no man joined himself to them. But the people magnified him. The people were like, well, this is awesome. And the believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. A number is not given to us at this point. We've been given the number 3,000. We've been given the number 5,000. Now it says multitudes of both men and women are added to the church in so much. And imagine the setting. If you please just, you know, it's, it's one of those where close your eyes and imagine the setting. The believers were the more added to the church. Verse 15, in so much that they brought forth the sick, sick into the streets they laid them on beds and couches, that at least maybe the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And there came a multitude out of the cities round about, not just from Jerusalem, but round about Jerusalem. People heard of this, and they're bringing their sick to Jerusalem, bringing the sick folks and those that were vexed with unclean spirits or demons, and they were healed. Everyone. Imagine the setting. Imagine, <laughs> I'm thinking, Peter, James, John, all those guys, they prayed for boldness and they asked God for boldness. But as long as these miracles are coming and these miracles are taking place and the sick are being healed and God is giving us this power, it's like the boldness is like almost automatic. It's like it's just there. And, and, People are coming and they're, and they're bringing the people, putting them in the streets, so maybe the shadow of Peter. Jesus said, when he was on earth, he said, you're going to see, he said, once I'm gone, you're going to see greater miracles than you've seen me do. Now, that's a weird thought, you know, because you automatically assume Jesus is God, God would do the greatest of miracles, but he said, you're going to see greater miracles. And, and, and again, these are things that we, in, in the life of Jesus and the miracles, there's nothing about the shadow of Jesus. Oh, we have the woman touching the hem of Jesus' garment. But this is like the, even maybe just the shadow of Peter will, will do this for us. And these people are all excited and there's, like, and, and there's crowds and multitudes of people, multitudes of people that are believing and, and, and both men and women coming to Christ and, and the sick are laying in the streets and, and everyone is being healed. The people magnify, the more are added. The cities round about are bringing people. And again, this is just one of those, stop and think. This is, this is exactly what the Sanhedrin did not want. What was the whole purpose? We got to get rid of this Jesus, because if we don't get rid of this Jesus, everybody's going to start believing on him. And, and the Romans will come, and they'll take away our, 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 our land, and, and, and they'll be worse, uh, you know, worse over us than they are now. 
And, and we can't have that. And we've got to stop this man. He must die so that our nation might live. And then it's like, well, when he dies, we want to make sure we're going to put him in a tomb and we're going to, we're going to uh, seal the tomb and we're going to have guards lest you know, he escape and this, and this story is told that he's still alive and, and it'll be worse then than it, you know. And it's all happening. <laughs> Their worst nightmare is happening. Jesus is gaunt. He's been martyred as far as they're concerned. But now the people, now the followers are even more so. Crowds and crowds of people. They can't stand it. Verse number 17. Then the high priest rose up. This would be Caiaphas most likely. And all that were with him. All which are the sect of the Sadducees. And I've told you this before. The Sadducees ruled the temple. The Pharisees were the ones that were teachers in the synagogues and all the little towns and all the little villages. But as far as the temple and the temple money is concerned, the tax and the sacrifices and all that, uh, the money changes in the temple. They were Sadducees. The high priest was a Sadducee. <clears throat> and again, reminding you of the fact that Sadducees did not even believe in an afterlife. There's no angels. There's no miracles. There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no, you know, they didn't believe in any of that stuff. Now, you realize that in their own backyard... In their courtyard of the temple, Solomon's porch, is where all this healing is taking place. And we don't believe in miracles. <laughs> There's an irony in all of that. Even to the point where the lame man is standing there beside Peter and John. When they go, you know what? It's pretty hard to deny something happened here. <laughs> We'd like to deny that something happened here, but it's a notable miracle. But we don't believe in miracles. Verse 17, the high priest rose up and all that were with him, and which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. That's an interesting word. Indignation. The word indignation has to do with they, they were offended. Uh, we live in a world where everybody is offended about everything. Now, I'm offended. You were offended because you were offended because I was offended. And I'm like, what? I, I, seriously, it, it's like the slightest little, I, I'm offended. I'm offended. Well, righteous indignation, we use the term righteous indignation. May I suggest to you that no one has righteous indignation except for God? Okay? You and I who think, oh, this is righteous, my righteous indignation. Well, first of all, you're not righteous. Second of all, it's probably uh, a payback of some sort. It's not. Righteous indignation would be God's holy wrath against sin and evil. God has a right to be upset. And that's the word indignant. It's that I have a right to be upset. And so these Sadducees are, well, we have a right to be upset. So they were filled with indignation. Uh, not that it's a good thing, but um, I, I'm mad and I have a right to be. <clears throat> so, they, <clears throat> so they take the, they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Um, common prison uh, or the prison for common folks or if you please, common criminals. This was an insult to them. If you remember last time, they held them at the temple. They kind of put them in a room and locked them there in the temple and then brought them the next day before the Sanhedrin. Now they just kind of throw them in the, this is the prison where the, the thieves go, the, you know, the uh, criminals of all sorts go. We're just going to throw them in the common prison, like the local Hoosgau or whatever the case may be. And it was to embarrass them. And it was also for some security because they're going to have some guards on this prison and so forth. And, and again, um, notice uh, it says they put them in the common prison. 
And, and you, you know this had to be somewhat of an uproar, because if I'm... Let's just, let's just take a logical thing. I, I have come from outside of the city of Jerusalem. I have brought my sick child, my, my sick brother, whatever, and I brought them to see Jesus, and we've just got here. And, and not to see Jesus, but to see the apostles that are doing these healings, and I bring them here, and, I'm, and, and all of a sudden now they've locked them up. Mm. <laughs> so there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be some angst, there's going to be some disgruntled, there's going to be some problems and difficulties with this, and you'll see this in just a little bit. But they brought him in. But, verse number 19, the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Uh, and so the angel comes and um, breaks him out of prison and says, go run and hide. You know, that's the that's from watching too much westerns. Um, get on your horse, ride, get out of town, get as far as you can, get up, you know, whatever. Go to the hideout. Uh, run and hide. No, they said, go and stand. Go and stand. Go stand and speak the words. Do exactly what you've been doing. What you've been doing is right. What you've been doing is good. What you've been doing is exactly what God wants you to do. Go back and continue doing it. Now, by the way, this angel of the Lord phrase, if it was in the Old Testament, most of the time when you see the angel of the Lord doing something in the Old Testament, it's an Old Testament appearing of Christ. It's actually a theophany. Like when Gideon saw the angel of the Lord, that was probably Jesus. When, when, when uh, Joshua fell down as the captain of the Lord's host, that was probably Jesus. When the fourth one is walking in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, that's probably Jesus. Now, how cool would this have been? If in this New Testament reference, it was Jesus that said, hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> Let's go. Now what's interesting about this is they leave, okay? But the most amazing thing, which is way more impressive than just getting them out of the prison, is they left undetected. Nobody knew they left. We didn't blow the you know, prison bars away. We didn't break out. They left... And nobody knew they were gone. So once again, let your mind wander. Mine does all the time. Uh, I, I told someone this past week. Um, I do have, and some of you will recognize, ladies especially will recognize this. Your husband, uh, their brain is just like uh, a gear shift. Okay. Sometimes it's in neutral. Okay. Seriously, it is just in neutral. Okay. And the wife will say, you know, what are you thinking about? You know, no, you can't, be, you can't just be sitting there. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Okay. Men have the ability to put the thing in neutral and just sit there. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and so I want you to think with me on this one. How do we get out of the prison without the guards seeing us get out? I, I get how the angel gets in and how the angel gets out. He's an angel, right? How do the people get out without somebody seeing them? So would you suggest that getting out of the prison is a miracle? I would, okay. I would. And they're, they're undetected. Favorite part. I love this, I love this next section, and if you'll, if you'll bear with me. Um, <laughs> Go stand, verse 20 says, go stand and speak in the temple 
to the people all the words of this, like, go, just keep doing what you're doing. Verse 21, and when they had heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. It's like they're not wasting any time. It's like this is like, you know, sick them to a dog. This is like, this is what we're, <laughs> we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. They threw us in prison. God got us out. <laughs> what do we have to worry about these guys for? And so early in the morning, but the high priest came, and they that were with him, <clears throat> let's call the council together. Let's get the Senate, all the children of Israel, uh, and, and bring, uh, send to the prison to have them brought. We want a complete meeting of all the Sanhedrin, all the, want all the elders, all the leaders. We're going to get to the bottom of this, and we're going to put an end to this, and all the rest, all the pomp and circumstance of getting all these people together. Go to the prison and bring these guys to us. But when the officers came, uh, they didn't find him in the prison. And they returned and said, um, you got good news and bad news. <laughs> What's the good news? Well, the prison, we found it completely secure. Okay? And, 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 and the guards were standing there before the gates, just like they're supposed to be. Okay. Um, what's the bad news? Uh, <laughs> the prisoners are gone. Don't know how that happened. The prison, the prison is secure. That's hilarious. And that's the same as when Pilate goes, make it as secure as you can. Make it as safe as you can. It's like, seriously, almost implying the fact that something's going to happen. And it says, uh, and he says, we found no one within. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Uh, doubted of them would be like, oh, brother, perfect. <laughs> Wait till the rest of the people hear. This, this, is, this is horrible. We put them in prison. Now they're out of prison. And they got out. Nobody knows how they got out. Oh. Wait till the people hear this. <laughs> Boy, is this story going to grow. How quickly is this going to get around? Uh, it's like, could it, is this day going to get any worse? By the way, um, This is, this is not a good time in history to be a guard. You might, you might want to think of changing your occupation at this particular point. Because uh, the guards can't even guard dead bodies, okay? Dead bodies seem to escape from them. And, and, and here, it's like, and by the way, through, all the, through some of the other stories of Acts as well, it's like, yeah, you need to find a different occupation. This is, this is not good. Uh, and so uh, we, we found no one, and they go like, oh, my goodness, this is going to. And again, remember, <laughs> Sadducees don't believe in miracles. Then came one and told them, saying, hey, behold, the guys you're looking for, guess where they are? They're standing in the temple teaching the people. Now imagine there's a defiance here. If you're a Sanhedrin member, there's an anger. It's like, mm, they are, mm, they are flaunting. They're not even hiding from us. If you remember, too, when they came to Jesus in the garden, Jesus went to them. Who are you looking for? We're looking for this Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. I'm the one you're looking for. Where is he running to? Where is he hiding? If you believe God's in control, you don't have to hide and run. Behold the man, men whom you put in prison, they're standing in the temple teaching the people. That's exactly what they're supposed to do. 
And again, this particular, he says, it doesn't say anything about healing. It just says they were teaching. They're teaching the people. And when the captain with the officers brought them without violence, they went to gather them up. For they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. Make sure you understand the wording here. The captain and the officers from the Sanhedrin come to Peter and John and the apostles said, um, <clears throat> would you guys mind coming with us, please? Okay. Because they thought if we grab them and we try to take them by force, the crowd will stone us. Okay. The crowd won't like it very much. Uh, would you mind coming with us? And almost has to be one of those things where Peter and John, okay. Don't worry. Okay, relax. We're, we're going to go with them. Everything will be fine. Almost the fact that he'd have to soothe this group. These Sanhedrin, they're afraid of the crowd. They used the crowd before. The mob mentality, they used all of that to their advantage, and now they're fearing the crowd. They took him without violence, fearing that the crowd would turn on them. And then they bring them in, and they, and, they, and they said to them, they brought them in, and they set them before the council, verse number 27, and the high priest said, did we not straightway command you that you should not teach in this name? Did we not tell you this? Did, did we not command you? And Peter's like, were you not listening? Yes, we heard you, but we said, should we obey God or should we obey you? Did we not straightly command you? Now, notice this verse 28. This is, this is what I think is kind of funny. This is where I went to the point where they can't even say Jesus' name. Did we not straightway command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. This man's name and this man's blood. We're, <laughs> we're not going to say the name Jesus. <clears throat> Once upon a time, some of you met and knew my mom. Um... My mom uh, had a habit of getting something in her mind and not letting it go. And it was just constant, constant, constant. And when I'm a kid, that's nagging. Uh, and um, it, was, it was horrible. But as an adult, she was up here one time, and it was Brenda's mom and dad's anniversary. And I made a comment saying, we have to make sure we get to the flower shop before 5. Flower shop closes at 5. We need to get these flowers for mom and dad's anniversary. And so my mom took it in her mind that that's her job to remind me of this, okay? She was going to be my reminder. And, I, and, and, and we were, you know, we're driving and we're headed over toward Brenda's parents. Well, when are we going to pick up those flowers? When are we going to pick up those flowers? When are we going to pick up those flowers? We don't forget those flowers. It's 5 o'clock. We've got to make sure we get the flowers. But I'm like, oh, she's, she's wearing me out. I said, I tell you what, Mama, here's the deal. I will give you $50 if you don't say the word flowers till after 5 o'clock. And she goes, oh, you think I can't do it? I said, I know you can't do it. I know you can't. And she said, well, I'll take that bet. And I'm like, okay. <sighs> All right. Now, don't forget to pick up that you-know-what <laughs> at the you-know-where and I'm like, what, Mom? And she goes, well, you know, you're just trying to get me to say it, and I'm not going to say it. I'm like, <laughs> I, it was, uh, no. I, I lost the $50. I, <laughs> and 
She never said flowers, but she knew, I knew exactly what she meant every single time that, you know, it's 4.45. I'm like, oh, I know, I know, I know. Can't say his name, but it's like, oh, he's the one. And then here, how ironic is this? You're, verse 28 says, you're teaching in his name. Ding. That's exactly. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. Are the disciples and apostles doing exactly what God asked them to do? Yes. And then they said, oh, you, you're filling Jerusalem with this doctrine. Ding. That's what we're supposed to start in Jerusalem and then go to Judea and Samaria. And so they're doing what they're supposed to do. And, and oh, you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. This is interesting to me. You, you intend to blame us for this man's death? Yep. Because you did it. You, you, remember the, you remember the verse, Matthew 27? Pilate's trying to wash his hands. I have nothing to do with this. Pilate, I have nothing to do with this. I'm innocent of this man's blood. And the people shouted. They answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. Now, you're trying to put his blood on our hands. Yes, we are. You did it. You crucified him. You turned him over to the Romans to be put to death. It was a plan. It was a plot. Yes, yes, yes. So did they get it? Yeah, they got the message. That was the message, and they got it. Peter said, along with the other apostles, I'm sorry you didn't get it the first time. But we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, raised Jesus from the dead, whom you slew and hung on a tree. You're putting his... Yes, you did it. You did it. You slew him. You hung him on a tree. And God has exalted him with his right hand to be a prince. He's, he's king in waiting. At the right hand of God, he's our savior. He's given us a second chance. He's given us a chance to change our mind. The word repent means change your mind. He's given a second chance to Israel to change their mind, and then they can be forgiven of their sins. You could be forgiven of this. You put Jesus, you, you committed him to the Romans to be put on the cross, to be put to death. You have an opportunity to change your mind about who Jesus is and get forgiveness of sins. This is a second chance for you. Look at how many people are taking the second chance. 3,000, 5,000 added, multiplied women and children added to the group. The, the, the lame man. What about you? You're the ones who crucified him. But he's making this available so you can change your mind about who he is so you can have forgiveness of this sin of rejecting him. We're witnesses of these things. We've seen it. We've been right beside him all this time. And the Holy Spirit that you see right now is further proof, further evidence. It's your second chance. You're getting to see it all over again because of the Holy Spirit. The signs, the wonders, the miracles, the boldness, the prison escapes, all of those things. How many chances? did Pharaoh in Egypt have to change his mind about the God of Israel? I'm going to guess at least that many. 
Why 10 plagues? I mean, you could have just skipped to number 10. And it's just, you know. Who is this God of, of slaves? Why should I listen to him? Over and over and over, God tried to reveal himself to Pharaoh. Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> he sees <clears throat> three Hebrew children and Daniel better, ten times better than anybody else. He said, man, this God of, these guys must be something. And then he sees four men walking in the fire. And then he has to experience uh, insanity. <laughs> For Nebuchadnezzar to see. To Nebuchadnezzar's credit, he eventually did respond. But time and time again, <clears throat> there's so many stories in, the <clears throat> in, the, uh, in Samuel's and the kings about the wicked kings. Ahab, for example. I would, I would like you to, <clears throat> if you just follow the story of Ahab, which is quite a bit, okay? Ahab and Jezebel. How many times did God reveal himself to them in such a way that they could have said, you know what, maybe we should listen to the prophet? Maybe we should believe in the God of Israel. Maybe we should, and they did not. <clears throat> they continue to harden their heart. They continue to refuse. <clears throat> and the stubbornness continues with these folks. <clears throat> they don't respond. Um, he says, we're witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Ghost whom God has given to them that obey. When they heard that, the Sanhedrin, they were cut to the heart. And it's like, this should be good. This should be good stuff. It's like, okay, they... <clears throat> the message got to them. They understood it. It cut them to the heart. But evidently not in a convicting way. Because they took counsel to slay them. <clears throat> Amazing stubbornness of unbelief. Fighting against God. What, what are you waiting for? Remember the crowd when they would say, show us some signs, show us some miracle. Man, Jesus is walking on water. He's feeding 5,000 people. He's, he's healing, he's having the uh, lame to walk and the, and the, and the blind to see. And, and it's like, show us a miracle? What's it going to take? <clears throat> what do you have to see? What do you have to understand? What are you waiting for? And, and it's impossible to be neutral on this. Elijah with the prophets of Baal said, how long halt you? How long waver you between two opinions? Make a choice. What are you waiting for? What's it going to take? If Jesus is God, then believe him. Trust him. If you're sitting here this morning, you've been playing around with this idea of Jesus and playing around with that, maybe I should accept him, maybe I should not. Maybe I, you know. Stop it. Jesus is who he said he is. He's the son of God. He's God himself. He died for us. He, he, he willingly took all of our sin upon himself. He died in our place. And all he asks us to do is believe. All these people had to do, and, and it's like, how can you not, it's like, how can you not see this? Well, we don't believe in miracles. Then what's going on? What are you seeing every single day, every single minute? Well, we need to make the miracle stop because we don't believe in them. The 
But many people took advantage of the second chance. Many people did. I have a personal belief in regards to the tribulation period. I think after the rapture of the church, I think after the rapture takes place and the dust settles, I think many will believe. As opposed to some who say, well, nobody gets saved during the church. I think there's seven years there for people to have a second chance. And I think many will respond. They might not live very long, but they will respond. Because they'll see, they'll know. How can you deny this? How can you not see? How can you not know? But my question for you is, if you're sitting here today, and you do not know where you're going to spend eternity, you deny yourself. If I died today, I don't know. I don't know where I'd end up. I don't know whether I'd be in heaven. I don't know whether I'd be in hell. I just don't know. Then you need to get that matter settled right now because if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know where you're going to end up. And that's the message of Peter, John, and, and, and the apostles. That's the message. He is the resurrection and life. There is no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. And you put your faith and trust in him. And as he has risen, we will rise with him and forever be with the Lord. And that's the plan. Right where you sit. Stop being stubborn. Stop having an evil heart of unbelief. I need to get this matter taken care of today, right now. Please do that. Let me ask you to have your heads bowed, eyes closed, if you would, please. The beautiful thing about salvation is not, it's not walking an aisle, it's not raising a hand. It's, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Right where you sit, right in the quietness of your own thoughts and your own mind, and right where you sit, you can say, Lord Jesus, the best way I know how, I'm putting my faith and trust in you. I know you are who you say you are. You are the Son of God. You are my Savior. You died on the cross so I would not have to spend eternity in hell. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. If I'm getting to heaven, Jesus, you're the one that's going to get me there. Stop fighting it. Stop being so stubborn. Chance after chance after chance. Don't let this chance get away. And again, right where you sit, you pray and talk to the Lord. He knows your heart. I want, to put, I want to trust Jesus as my Savior, and I want to do it now. Just so I can pray with you, is there anyone who made that decision? Say, I, best way I know how I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just lift your hand up just so, just so I can pray with you and pray for you. Anyone? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to talk about your word, talk about, and even thank you for a, another chance to put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and have our eternity settled. Thank you for that. Father, again, I pray if there's someone here that does not know you as Savior, that they would make that decision today. Seek someone out or, or just put their faith and trust in you, Lord, the best way they know how. get that matter taken care of.
Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us chance after chance after chance. Thank you in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this opportunity to hear the word preached at Factoryville Bible Church. Factoryville Bible Church is a non-denominational church in Athens, Michigan that seeks to share the good news of the gospel through a number of ministries in the area, including Factoryville Christian School, Camp Elvin, and the Passive Forward Shop. To learn more about the ministries of Factoryville Bible Church or to support the mission of our church, visit our website at factoryvillebiblechurch.com. Thank you.